I know Warren never uh, loses his chance to take a pot shot when I'm not here, so I was fully expecting. I don't a, even uh, think that was a pot shot. Yeah, you know, I was fully expected some, you know, some kind of shot across the bow. But hey, you know what? I'm back here, ready to roll. And uh, what was surprising to me was the host country of France. There was French French families there with uh, uh, USA jerseys on, which I thought was pretty cool, pretty interesting. Why do you, <laughs> did you talk? Why were they? Uh, I guess you did. Do you know why they were wearing? Like American jerseys, or this, were they grateful for the help in World War II, or were they just uh, <laughs> were they just were they just cheering on the U.S. since they both have red, white, and blue? They stink so bad you can't even make it up. Now here, your host of the short thing, Warren Shore and Ryan Silva. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into this edition of The Short Thing here on Talk Radio 1190. I'm your host, Warren Short, here with Ryan Silva, as always. You can check us out on Twitter, at The Short Thing, and all of our old shows. And we do a Wednesday pick show that is on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you may listen to your podcast at. So check that out. That is also The Short Thing. We're here every night, Sunday, from 7 to 8 p.m. Big show plan. Obviously, we're going to touch on the Cowboys' dominating performance today against the New York Giants, just what we talked about on Wednesday's show and what we talked about last week, what they should have done. We're going to get into a, you could say, tough weekend for the top two college uh, top two college programs in the state as they suffered tough losses in their marquee non-conference games. We'll get into that as well. We'll go around the league. The college talk is going to be at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk about the Cowboys here off the top for a decent, and we'll go around the NFL as well. We're going to get uh, – Ryan, you got a question this week? I do. All right, so we'll get into that. That's going to come up towards the end of the show, uh, last segment of the show, and maybe if we have time, get a little uh, baseball, uh, just because the Rangers youth movement has arrived and some of the guys – on the Rangers, who are the young guys, are playing pretty, pretty well. So it's a good thing to see for the Rangers. But all right, we're going to dive right into it here, get into the Cowboys game. They were victors today, as I mentioned, against the New York Giants, 35-17. After a quick little scare, I guess you could say, on the Giants' uh, first drive as they marched right down the field and scored a touchdown after Saquon fumbled the first play. He rips off a 59-yarder. They score, but after that, Cowboys answer. They scored on four straight possessions. Dak threw four touchdowns. He was fantastic. Perfect passer rating. 29 or 25 of 32 for 405 yards. No picks. Average 12 yards a throw, which is pretty good for him. And uh, they a pretty easy win. Nothing really too hard to do for the Cowboys today, Ryan. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, you know, like you said, at the first drive, uh, Twitter was kind of funny because I was like, oh, man, here we go. You know, Saquon had bust off a 57-yard run or whatever it is. The cat, the cat, um, Giants, excuse me, go down and score soon after that. And t- Cowboys Twitter was like, oh, yep, here we go. You know, big expectations, and here we go letting down. And then that was really the only threat that you saw from the Giants except for a garbage time touchdown there at the end of the fourth. I mean, everything was clicking for the Cowboys. Offense, defense, you know, everything in between. Um, the new Kellen Moore offense was just flowing. I mean, it looked uh, spectacular. Uh, he kind of looked like the Midwest uh, Cliff Kingsbury, if you will, down there with that offense. Yeah, no. Well, is he – why would he be the Midwest Cliffs Kingsbury? From because he played at Boise, Boise State. Boise State's not of the Midwest. Idaho. Idaho is Northwest. Mm. Mm. 
Are you sure? Are you serious? Are you gonna? Are we gonna get into this uh, this argument of Ohio being in the Midwest? Ohio is classified as the Midwest. Boise State is in the Northwest. Okay, whatever. It's touching semantics, Washington. Semantics. Okay, Warren, you're right. There you go. Is that what you wanted? No, that's not what I wanted. No, that's exactly but what you wanted. Either way. The Cowboys offense looked really good. Um, you know, they had all their weapons cooking. Cooper, uh, Randall Cobb looked good. Uh, Michael Gallup had a, had a great game, which we all expected him to take a big leap there. And uh, in his second year, and he looked like he really did. Zeke looked like he never missed a beat. I mean, he he had some pretty good runs, uh, scored a touchdown, only had 53 yards on the ground, though, which I don't think, you know, you should really worry there. I think he's probably going to get much, much more as the season goes along. Uh, Jason Witten got in the, into the uh, end zone, which he looked <laughs> – rough when he'd catch the ball i mean he was rumbling bumbling stumbling. how about the one when he got it it was after he caught the touchdown i think and it was like uh, in the third quarter yeah and he just he tried to do a, a cut and yeah. he took like five steps to he tried to do a jump cut and there were like three extra steps in, steps in the jump cut yeah he, he needs he you know what they gave grandpa a good little send-off today but he needs to get off the field as much as possible. Like he's useless out there. Yeah, I mean, Blake Jarwin, as, as good as Blake Jarwin looks, yeah. uh, you know, you can't. You, they, and they even said on the Cowboys broadcast that even though they brought Witten back, J- Blake Jarwin's probably going to be more heavily involved in the game plan, and rightfully so because, like you said, you know, Gramps was great. You were great back in your heyday, but uh, you probably should have kept him uh, hung up there, boy. He had more targets than Jarwin today. Uh, more Which tar- I mean, you know, he's he was Dak's safety blanket when oh, he was for sure. You know, his first year. More targets, same amount of catches as Jarwin. It's hilarious. If you go look at the uh, at the Cowboys' uh, receiving box score, uh, everybody, Gallup, Cooper, Cobb, Jarwin, uh, and then it goes to Witten, and then Zeke had one catch for 10 yards, but all in that, then there's Witten. He has three catches for 15 yards and a five, uh, and a five-yard average uh, on that. So it's pretty funny to see that. But, boy, he was out there. I do not understand what the Giants were doing. Why did Saquon only get 11 carries today? No that, idea. to me, makes no sense. Yeah, and he wasn't really heavily favored in the passing game either. I mean, you look at it. I mean, yeah, he got six targets, uh, four catches, one target, bounced off the back of yeah, the, he his back. He wasn't even looking. Was and he was he was mad at, at Eli saying, Man, I got Byron Jones, I think, or no, it was uh, Xavier Woods, I believe, uh, one-on-one. Let me blow by him and throw, throw it up the field. But he was not super heavily involved in this game plan at all. It's a, it's a wonder. I mean, he, he had his typical Saquon breakaway run. That's what got him over 100 yards, really, I think, with only his 11 touches. Um, but even down at the goal line, I mean, they weren't really giving the ball to him or giving him opportunities down at the goal line either, or in the red zone. Yeah, like they had the fourth and one, and they roll Eli out. Yeah, he they need to put it. He Witten needs to go out to pasture. Eli needs to go out to pasture. I think they had well. another like down and dis down in short distance. Uh, it might have been a third and two or something like that. And they gave it to the fullback. It's yeah, like, I, what are you, I, what are you doing? Even even one of the uh, I think the Cowboys had a third and two, and they didn't really run it. Yeah. And I thought that was. You got these stud running backs for a reason. I maybe the Cowboys. I could see you got a pass because okay, Dak's been just feeling it today, throwing it, so that's fine. But the Giants, I mean, come on, just run the ball with Saquon up the middle or off tackle or something. I do not understand what what they were doing uh, with Saquon today. But the offense, this is an offense that we haven't really seen the Cowboys work the middle of the field like they have in a long long time i mean everything was across the middle they kept going because it was working the giants i I don't know what the giants defensive coordinator was doing he must have not realized they were calling a bunch of slants a bunch of in routes but uh they were the two safeties were still up high pretty much the whole game jabril preppers is terrible in coverage 
And uh, the Cowboys just abused the middle of the field, and they just they kept going. They kept uh, they kept calling the play that was working, and there was anything over the middle. Yeah, and more credit to Dak too. A couple of his deep balls. I mean, he dropped Very right good. in. Uh, one, the, I think one of the very first ones to, to Gallup, you know, dropped right in. And then the touchdown to Amari Cooper um, right. was was a great pass, too. So, you know, shout out to him uh, for, for And he for was that. bad at that last Like, he right. was struggling at that last year. A couple people on this show, or at least one of them, said you can't teach accuracy. And I think you might, you know, have to rethink that. I've said you usually don't see a guy that you can teach accuracy, which I still think is true. Okay. I don't think it's true. He's still a, I'm not uh but yeah, he was great today. I know I haven't been the Dak detractor on the show. Uh, you've been way more down on me on Dak, I think, than I have been. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, I definitely, I won't, I wouldn't disagree. But with I you just there. would like to know who are guys that you would see that have improved in accuracy. You don't really see it a lot. You don't see it a lot, but you can see it. I think you know. It, it, either way, I don't want to get into this this yeah. circle argument. Um, again, credit to credit to the Cowboys. They they look like they are a team to be messing with, uh, or not to mess with, I should say. Um, and look like they're gonna be they're gonna be well well in control of this division. I think as long as the the Eagles, you know, or if if they if you if the Eagles play like they did in the first half against the Redskins, I think the Cowboys are gonna have uh, no problem taking the this division by the horns and taking all the way uh, leading wire to wire. Yeah, I mean the first test for the Cowboys isn't really gonna come until the Saints when they play them week week four on the road, and then they got the Packers and at the Jets, and then the Eagles. That's before the bye. So the first three. Uh, I think you sometime wanted to beg to differ on the Redskins game. That look, division games on the road are always tough. No, no, what? no. Uh, wait, you think saying that the Redskins got a shot to to get it? Yeah, I, well, I think sometimes we've been like, oh, I, I what? You, sometimes, like, yeah. This year, three and zero. No, this okay. year, no. Yeah, the Cowboys should be three and zero going into. Yeah, they should be going to New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. no, I, you will get zero pushback from me on that. Um, but yeah, no, this is you. You, it's hard to judge. Um what they're going to be like until week four and even say they slip up against the Redskins, which would be uh pretty, I would say pretty poor, or I, I find it hard to believe that they're going to slip up against the dolphins, but say they do slip up against the dolphins uh, at home teams go through growing pains and stuff like that throughout the season. Earlier in the season, we see how, how just so inconsistent uh, it is week to week, at least early on in the NFL. So even then, I don't think it's really uh uh, would be like any time to panic, but the team looks fantastic. The defense uh, looks great, but again, they're going up against Eli, so it wasn't the secondary spine. They didn't miss Byron Jones today. He was the only guy that was injured in training camp that was out today, and they didn't really miss him on the outside. Yeah, uh, let's let's go week one overreaction. Is this, is this the best Cowboys team we've seen since the Aikman, Emmett, Michael Irvin days? What about the thirteen and three team? I just mean that's why. Okay, I mean throw that throw that team in there. But I, I just the talent on the field and what we Probably. saw today. No, I I don't even think this is a week one. That's a, I don't even think that's a week one overreaction take because we've been saying this is like the deepest or most talented Cowboys team in a long long like for a while. Mm-hmm. Like they they went into training camp with no really starter spots up for grabs. Right. No starter spots up for grabs. They're competing at depth, and that's what that's what good teams. That's when you know you're really talented is when you're just adding guys to like the two deep, as they'd say, and just adding depth. Like no one was really up for who who would you think maybe safety Xavier Woods was was close. But like who I don't I can't think of someone that was out on like Jeff Heath, maybe. 
Maybe, but they brought him back. They had a chance right. to bring. They had a chance to draft someone, no doubt. And they didn't. They didn't draft anyone because they liked Jeff, Jeff Fee so much. You got away with pass interference, by the way, in that hail mary. He did. Which I don't. We, that that I never gets get, called though. That never gets called. But if you're gonna, I want to get into this after uh, coming up next. We're going to talk about around the NFL and and some things. But if it's going to be, if you're going to have to review pass interference. That's past. That is blatant pass interference. You have to call it. Like, what's the point of in implementing the pass interference being reviewable if you if you don't do that? If you don't change that? Yeah, no. I I mean, I agree. And Pat Shermer, I think, had a uh, had a good argument to make. I mean, unfortunately, it was within within the two minutes. Obviously, it was the last play of the half, so he threw his challenge flag, and that really was for nothing. But I mean, I guess it, in a way, he was just trying to bring it to the referee's attention. Like, hey, that needs to be looked at. I I don't know. It can. I know that coaches can challenge pass interference. I'm, I'm assuming any pass interference reviews can also be brought in from only from under two minutes. In the only, it's like the real challenge is like only yeah. under two minutes in the first half, and then and the final, the second quarter, and the fourth quarter. Everything else, like a normal challenge, a coach can challenge, but only in the second and fourth quarter with under two minutes to go, the booth can review it, and you can't challenge. I it. I mean, if if. If they would have reviewed that today and they kind of set the precedent that, that they would overview yep. it or, or review it and look at it, you'd see teams all four downs from the 50-yard line just chuck up Hail Marys and be like, oh, you got to check that out. Oh, hey, you got to look at that one. But that's the thing of that. That's when uh, it was said like, oh, why? When the pass interference was getting brought up to be challenged, it was like they're going to say, oh, they're going to try and avoid the end zone. Well, guess what? You can't just pick and choose yeah. what you're going to do. Um, so... We'll talk more about this after the break here on Talk Radio 1190 as we'll go around the NFL and the big stories around the NFL today. So that's coming up next. All right, back here, Talk Radio 1190. Warren and Ryan here with you for the next 40 minutes. Check us out on Twitter at The Short Thing and as well on Apple Podcasts, wherever else you may listen to your podcast at. That is going to be The Short Thing as well. S-C-H-O-R-R will be back on Wednesday on uh, the podcast because we'll do our picks there. Uh, Ryan, you got a good week of picks, so what a... Uh, Alert, alert the audience how you did this week. Yeah, we went seven and three in college. Um, like I said, probably could have been eight and two one way or the other. Um, I still think so. You you kind of challenged that uh, pregame or pre-show, I don't think I, I challenged it. I just said no. I mean, you were definitely right though. You were definitely. I, mean, I think you mm. have games go. It always finds its water sometimes on how you do. Water like, always finds its level, right? Yeah, you yeah, have yeah. games that are bad beats that go one way, and then you could have had. But Nebraska being up 14-0 to Colorado that's and, then, tough, and yes. then losing outright. For sure. Um, I, I don't think that's, that uh, A&M cover was, was that much of a backdoor. Uh, I mean, obviously it did happen late, but, you know, one way or the other, either way. 7-3 uh, and three in college. I'm sitting 4-0 and oh right now in the NFL uh, with the Broncos going tomorrow night. I, had, I got them out of Pickham right after the uh, Antonio Brown news of him. We thought just going to be suspended and ended up being yeah. released. So uh, hopefully we can bring home a, a perfect week for for week one and uh, start this thing off right. Yeah, I went three three and one in college. Tough late night, uh, late night there. That weather delay in Washington uh, really kills you, kills anybody. I think you take a dog in a weather delay, and then NFL two and one have the two Monday night games tomorrow. I have the Texans and then have the uh, Broncos as well. We both went to a Broncos. What was the one you lost? Uh, the one I lost was the it was uh, Chargers. No, the Colts covered because uh, it was six and a half. Yeah. Um, right. It was oh Atlanta loved Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Atlanta. yeah, you were pumping up Atlanta. <laughs> I, 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 I still look. I'm I'm not off the Atlanta train after week one, but it was uh <laughs> that was a tough that was a tough one to see. They're down twenty one nothing before you even uh before you blinked before you blinked. Uh, 
that was Matt Ryan threw, I think, two picks in the end zone. Uh, so that's always something that you just hate to see there. Indeed you do. Um, so, well, it looks like we're going to get a tie here in the NFL week one. Second year in a row, we got a tie week one. Time ran out? It's over. Oh, it's wow. a tie. Uh, so the Lions and Cardinals have tied it up. Look, pretty impressive for Kyler as we go around the NFL. Uh, comeback. They were, they looked, I was watching a, uh, <laughs> Matt Patricia's got one crutch walking to the center of the field. He, he look, speaking <laughs> of Matt Patricia, he's a, he's a bad coach. He's a bad head coach. He's yeah. He's not great. He hasn't put together a pretty good, uh, a rec- pretty good record so far. I think they were up there. They'll, Cardinals look dead in the water going in the fourth quarter. And then Kyler brought him back. What was they on 16? Yeah. Uh, brought him back to tie it. So uh, that's big. Yeah, hey. last minute touchdown and last minute uh, or last second touchdown, last second two-point conversion to, to tie it up. Yeah, have a, had a, they had a chance to win, though. In, uh, they had a chance to win as well in overtime, yeah. but they could only settle for a field goal. And they were, they were terrible early on. But, uh, yeah, the Cardinals look pretty good. But with the uh, pass interference, I wanted to touch on that a little bit. Do you think that we are going to see calls that are normally called as pass interference be called as defensive holding so they can't get reviewed? That like you would see like, oh, that's pass interference, but they're going to call it and they're going to talk about it and be like, oh, this is holding, so we can't review it. No, I don't think. So. I think I think it, that that if they do, then they're going. I think that's going to be cause a bigger uh headache if they start doing that than just calling pass interference and having it being reviewed if i think i mean i think the nfl is smarter than that that they look at everything at all angles and say hey look if we start uh reviewing pass interference and start ha- uh, having coaches being able to challenge it like we i'm sure they looked at it at all angles like we can't we can't start just calling defensive holding to avoid a pass interference to avoid a review. If that was the case, I don't think they would have been able they would have implemented the rule to to uh challenge pass interference, but like I said, if they I don't I don't see that happening, but if they do, I think that's just going to cause a bigger, you know what, storm than they're prepared to battle or that they're willing to willing to battle. I don't think there were any egregious. I saw I guess I saw there was talk on Twitter I missed it of a Mike Evans pass interference call that could have gone against them late in the game that wasn't reviewed or they were surprised late in the game it wasn't reviewed, but I didn't think there was any uh egregious I guess you could say uh calls. You know the call that is awful is the blindside block. Yeah. There uh there was one in the Browns game that the Browns got called on. And then the Titans lineman did the exact same thing, and there was no call. And it wasn't that, when um, Greg Robinson kicked that guy in the face. No, it was not when Greg kicked the guy in the face. <laughs> Greg was actually the guy responsible for the blindside block, and it was a screen pass. Both of these happened on screen pass. The guy goes out, and he, Greg Robinson's literally looking at the DB and the uh, the defender, and the defender's running right at him, and he blocks him. Yeah, And it was just because it was – Right there, and the same thing happened for the Titans guy. No call there. Uh, so the blindside block is going to be one that people around the league are going to be way, way uh, just. I think all year they're going to be like, "How is that a? How is that a penalty?" And like, how can you judge what a? I was about to say you yeah. can't judge what a blindside block is because say that they're, they're both facing each other. It's not like the the decleater when the guy's running and you come in from the side and level them. That's not what either of these were. That has been a penalty for the last five, six, seven years. This it's just the the angle of the block is going to be a definitely a big one. Yeah, if I, I know exactly what you mean, that's that's going to be because it's going to it's it's going to be 
pretty similar to uh, to what we've seen with what's a catch and what's not a catch. You know, yeah. there's going to be so many different interpretations of it. It's just going to cause a bigger hassle than uh, than people will like. Yeah, and it's even the same thing with pass interference. Why even yeah. have pass interference reviewed? It's because the Saints threw a hissy fit when they didn't get a call go their way when they should have won the game anyways. And uh, they have to, it's they said it's only a one year trial period though. So hopefully after this one year. It uh, it goes it goes away. What do you prefer, the college pass interference world or NFL? Uh, I actually I like the college just yeah, because you, I do too. It seems like you're going for a stretch when it's you're gonna assume that it's like a fifth. That guy's gonna catch the ball no matter what. Right. Like it's I just I just hate when it's there's been a lot of like ticky cat ticky tack calls before that you're like all right well then it's a forty yard penalty and you just get hosed. You're like well that's. He dropped it. That shouldn't have been a flag. I I like the college. I think the college is is a better rule. I'm trying to think. I think it might have been the might have been the LSU Texas game last night where there was a bomb in the end zone. The the defender got yes, beat, it was that game, and he just laid tackled out and them. tackled him. Yeah. And it was a smart play because it was going to be it was going to be six points, and instead it's just a 15 yard penalty rather than being at the one yard line like it would have been in the NFL. So I agree. I, I think I prefer the uh, the college pass interference rule uh, uh, better. What other uh, what other for you around the NFL surprised you? Uh, I mean, I, I'm not trying to d- drive the dagger, but the Browns <laughs> laying an absolute egg. Was tough. It was an egg of a fourth quarter. Okay. It wasn't an egg of a whole game. They were undisciplined the entire game. It was 15 to 13 with two minutes to go in the third quarter. So That's it wasn't wild. So it wasn't like they were getting shellacked. Right, and through that stretch of the game, Baker had just completed like 12 passes in a row. Mm-hmm. So I've everyone, I, I look, it was a bad fourth quarter. They allowed 28 unanswered after they got within it 15 to 13. I understand, and I'm not trying to say, like, oh, I'm trying to just talk myself through this. There right. are issues with the team, and I've told you there are issues with the team before going into this offensive line is a big concern, and when your offensive lineman kicks a dude in the face, uh, that's not great, and then the backup hurts his knee on the next play, so you're rolling with only five starting linemen. That's tough, but... It was 15 to 13 with two minutes to go in the third and going into the fourth quarter, it was uh, 21 or 22 to 13. So it was still within reach going into the fourth quarter. It was just a disastrous fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch any of the game. I was watching the Redskins Eagles game. Um, so, you know, just kind of keeping up with the school with the play by play on my phone and whatnot. Uh, it was just a shocker to see that that final, that the final was what it was. It, uh, I mean, obviously Derek Henry's 75 yard, Tuddy didn't help. Which I know shouldn't Delaney. have counted because of blindside block that wasn't called that the Browns <laughs> called, but okay. Delaney Walker had a pretty big game. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I the the Browns hate, all the Browns haters or all the people that were saying, hey, uh, I mean, the fact that Browns have haters, credit to you guys. Credit to I, you all. It wasn't even, it's not the Browns fan that developed the haters. No, though. it's definitely It's the not. national media yeah, that, yeah. that has developed the people that want the Browns to to fail. It's not the Browns it's the the Browns fans haven't been obnoxious enough. They haven't been good at all for people to hate the Browns fans. They haven't. We haven't gotten to that point yet. Trust me. When the Browns are, if the Browns are ever good, if they ever become good with this team, they'll the, the haters will be there because of the obnoxiousness of the fans, uh, not because of the, this was because the national media just propped them up for six months. While we're talking about the Browns for a second, there was a pretty funny Twitter. Thread. I was going to get to that. Is is it the the Jeff Garcia or? Uh, so this guy tweets out, Baker Mayfield is just John Kitna with nice dancing moves. Did okay, no, that? I didn't see that. Ma- and, then, and then so another guy responds, Baker Mayfield is Jeff Garcia if he had a vine. 
Another person says Brady Quinn with a SoundCloud. So they just go down naming <laughs> yeah. these mediocre quarterbacks with, uh, you know, like uh, Rex Grossman with a vlog. Ryan Mallett with a Hulu deal. Like, it was just yeah. going on and on. It was, what, pretty, it was pretty funny. No, what I was going to say was we should have known it was going to go downhill when a guy was standing on an SUV earlier in the oh, morning. I he just saw fell that. off. And he just... He, he looks like he was shot. He, he literally just, just fell, fell off. off. He just fell off. They said people were lined up outside the, the muni lot where they tailgate yesterday at noon. Oh. And that last night at 7 o'clock, there was a line of like fifty, like 60 cars deep. And the tailgating lot doesn't open until 7 a.m. like on, on a game day morning. So it was... Uh, people were ready. Uh, to go, but yeah, that was uh, it was disappointing. But look, the Browns are also one eighteen and one in openers. So I texted my cousin Caleb, "How you feeling about? That? Are you feeling good today?" But again, this is a Browns opener, so like we know what happens, right? Um, all right, we'll take a quick break here. Uh, we can talk about Antonio Brown after this, and then we'll dive into some college football. So that's coming up next here on Talk Radio eleven ninety. All right, back here, Talk Radio 1191, and Ryan here with you for about the next 25 minutes. Uh, coming up in our final segment, we'll finish up the college football talk, and we've got Ryan's question as well. All right, so the big news was the Antonio Bryant, Antonio Brown, excuse me, story in the uh, this whole week, I guess. Thursday, Wednesday, we were talking when he was going to get suspended, then he had an emotional apology, and then he was like kind of play on Sunday or on Sunday. And then on Friday, I don't know what, that's when he had his apology. And then Saturday, Friday night, he posted a YouTube video, uh, with, uh, just a wiretap call of Gruden. And then Saturday morning, he said he wanted to get released, uh, cause he got fined more by the Raiders, 215,000. And that was going to take away his guaranteed contract. He didn't want to play on a guaranteed contract. And then, uh, his uh, then he got then the Raiders released him and then he went and signed with the Patriots like four out like two hours after or an hour and a half after he could have, and that's where we're at. Yeah, this is wild. I tweeted out um yesterday that this had to have been his plan the the entire time. Yeah, was because he saw Le'Veon Le'Veon got released or just he didn't sign his tender, so it wasn't like he really he didn't sign his franchise tender, so he became a free agent. If we remember, we go back to before he got traded, he he asked for his release from the Steelers. He wanted to be released too because he wanted to be a free agent. He wanted to go. He wanted to be able to pick and choose where he wanted to go. They he wanted to go to New England from the jump. They tried to set up a trade for him back in March, but the Steelers didn't want to trade him to to um, Even New for England. A first round pick. Yeah, they, they didn't want to trade him to New rounder. England because they knew that they would probably face them come you know January uh, or late well, December or whatever. Yeah, we won that too. Um, so I think this was kind of in in. In his plans the entire time, just act like an absolute lunatic, no matter where he ended up, until he got released, and uh, and then go sign with the Patriots like he wanted to. I mean, he still got fifteen million uh, this year, or it, it could be worth up to fifteen million. I think nine million guaranteed. Yeah, with um, a million signing bonus. Yeah, I think. so I mean, he had thirty million guaranteed over the next three years with Oakland. Could make fifteen in one year with New England. Uh, probably will because he's. I, I know he's gonna. He, he. You have to assume. Like I said, if this was his plan the whole time, he's gonna go there. He's gonna keep his mouth shut, keep his nose clean, and just play football and you know try to win a championship. You would think that's what he's gonna do, but he it's would, still, yeah. it's still up in the air. Still a question. Like he was an idiot with the Steelers. Like the things he was doing with the Steelers were were just ridiculous, and the Steelers were. You can, they're considered a great organization. So, uh, I, yeah, I, uh, this had to, have, I think when he found out this deal was, the Patriots offered him a first round pick, I think that's when back that trade was when he 
was like, hey, I want to try and I want to get there no matter what. Um, but like, was how about him hiring a social media team yeah, to get out of wild. there? Like that is pretty ins- that's pretty ridiculous. I mean, like I said, he probably was trying to do whatever it took to get released to get out of out of uh, Oakland or Los Angeles, wherever wherever the heck they are nowadays. Um, to to go be a free agent and pick where he, I mean, nobody, you don't get released and then sign somewhere else three hours later. That never happens. You never yeah. see that happen unless it's on cut day. And like I said, he was, he was orchestrating this the whole time. Obviously started with the frostbite feet, uh, you know, and then went on with the helmet and tried to fight that three different times, filed three different grievances with the helmet. That didn't happen. And then he stopped showing up to, uh, to mandatory workouts and then got into it with Mayock and then all this stuff. I mean, he, the guy I feel bad for is John Gruden because I think John Gruden really wanted him, really wanted Antonio Brown, really thought Antonio Brown was a great player and made the move or wanted to make the move because he thought he was getting a genuine guy that wanted to play football somewhere else other than Pittsburgh. And then now it's just kind of now that's all gone to, to, to crap. Just listen to that phone call. Yeah. Like, that's clearly what he said. He goes, I like you and I know you're a good person deep down inside. Like, he, yeah, he really thought that he's he was going to change himself when he got out of there. All right, so a question before we get to college. What this season, uh, the over-under, I will set at eight, eight and a half, that Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown, the games they play together? Well, it's got, it can't be any more than 15, so you're looking anywhere from 9 to 15. I'll go, okay, barring injury, right? You're just talking about suspensions are being cut. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, not injury. I'll go over. Okay. I I don't think so, and I don't know who the problem is. The fact right. the fact that you have to think like That'd what is right. what is a number that you set it at that you don't think about it? Like obviously two, okay, fine, right. but like seven, I think might be a little low. Eight, you start to think nine, you're really like oh yeah. ten is like oh, ten ten, you're like uh, I think I'm taking the under. Like <laughs> right. you, the fact that you have to think about it right for either of those, and like I said, you don't know which one it is. Who who is it going to be this time? I, I think if it is anybody, it would be Josh Gordon. I I hope it is. It isn't. I'm rooting for the guy um, to to be successful because he's obviously a freak athlete and a great wide receiver. So if it is somebody, I would prefer it to be Antonio Brown just because he's left ever, a bad taste in everybody's mouth so far. Yeah, and guess what? You know what? In the NFL, you can hit women. You can hit your kid. Get three years, $55 million like Tyreek. Do you know where I'm going with this? You can be a complete idiot. Like Antonio Brown, force yourself out, hire a social media team, still get signed. You know, the one thing he can't do when he gets signed? What's that? Kneel during the national anthem. <laughs> you get blackballed by the league. And look, you seriously, all these guys keep getting signed. Yeah. yeah and that's the one thing you can't do. Eric Reed's the only one that survives somehow. You can't kneel during the national anthem and give millions of dollars to social injustice societies that he's done. And guess what? That's the only thing. So, uh. Shout out to the NFL. It's, it is amazing where they pick and choose, though, how, yeah. how how they do that. All right, so to college football, we'll start with the Aggies. Uh, they, the gap is still the, – the gap was shown yesterday of how I think far they have to go to contend on a national level. If they want to win national titles, they went on the road to Clemson and uh, got beat, what, 40, uh, 24-10? Yes. Uh, 24-10, late touchdown in the uh, dying seconds of the game. And Kellen Mond was not good. He, was, I mean, he he didn't have any time to throw the ball. Yeah, but even when he was ready to throw, he was he started off three of eleven. He was he was poor. The defense was the defense was good, and I don't know if you uh, if you agree with what I'm about to say, but I felt like if if.
Clemson wanted to score more, they could have. Mm. But I think they kind of knew that, hey, we're in a comfortable position. We're going to run some offense. And the AM defense played well. But if they really wanted to turn the offense up to another level, they they had it there. And they just they kind of didn't really need it yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That, that's kind of uh, it's not really something I thought about or that I thought I saw. Um, like you said, I think the defense did play well. They've got a lot of pressure on uh, Trevor Lawrence. That kid is strong, man. Yeah. He, he spins out of a lot of tackles and gets away from a lot of guys that most – quarterbacks just won't and then he can reset his feet get his eyes downfield i mean he he's good i think he is probably one of the best quarterbacks we're going to see ever um uh but like i said the uh aggie offensive line just couldn't handle the defensive line or the defensive seven of of clemson and i just felt like every time kellen Moore was snapping the ball i mean he had a guy in his face he couldn't really distribute the ball the way he usually does to uh jamon osman or or uh, um rogers was i can uh, kendrick rogers and so, you know, it's just it, – it stemmed from there. It just kind of went downhill. They never could really get anything going offensively. And it was, like you said, I mean, if you, if you want to be – nobody was putting A&M at the upper echelon of the NCAA or college football or up there with uh, Clemson or Bama, but that's the benchmark right now. And if you want to – you think you're the school that should be deserving all these shots, that's why you went to the SEC because you want to be in, in a better conference. I mean, that's where you got to get. And I, I still stand by saying that they'll win over, what we say, eight and a half games. Mm-hmm. I still stand by that. I still think they're, they'll win nine games um, on the year. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was it was not a great showing for, for the Aggies this weekend. Uh, yeah, well, and that whole Clemson defensive front was uh, they had to replace four guys. Yeah. And so they and did still, that. Maybe the offensive linemen shouldn't have been talking trash, as we said, on Wednesday. You got something. You keep saying Wednesday. It was Thursday. But he talked trash on Wednesday. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, we, he did. We talked about it on but Thursday. But you also said our show on Wednesday. Oh, my bad. That's well, Wednesday. We did it first on Wednesday, but it's on <laughs> it's on Thursday. Uh, um, but, yeah, he should have not. Maybe he should have kept his mouth shut. But, uh, no, but it's like it's this is a this is a benchmark game for you. Where are we at? What Where where do we have to go to? And uh, I do. You th- I saw I thought I saw some Aggies saying they were ready to see the backup yesterday. I, they, yeah. I saw some on now. I don't know what the stance was on, on if these guys were like wackos or anything, but I saw some Mon dragon out there yesterday that, that, uh, and I've said, he's one of the guys that's improving his accuracy. If he didn't improve his accuracy, we we're going to have some issues because his freshman year, he threw 51, he completed 51% of his passes. And then his second year, he, he improved to 57% of the passes. So, if he takes another jump to get up to 62, 63%, that's good. Keep baking that jump. But yesterday against a good defense on the road, that was a t- it was tough. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about argu- arguably the best team in the nation. So, yeah, you yeah. know, you're going to expect those missteps. But he does need to be better. Uh, he does need to uh, continue trending in the right direction. Like I said, I don't think the Saggy team is in any trouble of losing, you know, going under 500 or anything crazy like that being seven and five anything like that but but like you said benchmark you, you see where you got to get and you still got a long way to climb yeah yeah well and the thing i think we said with the aggies is their four toughest games you gotta what you gotta try and win one they got alabama at home they got lsu and then they have at georgia mm-hmm. and pretty much everyone's saying all right those are four losses there right now you got the top five teams in the country on their six LSU last night was six, but they'll probably go up. So you pick one of those off, great. So that should be the benchmark for the season. And if that doesn't happen, okay, I guess we gotta regroup for next year and hope we can do that again. But 
that should be the benchmark there. All right, come back here on the Short Thing Talk Radio 1190 in the final segment. We will talk about the uh, Texas LSU game, and we'll have Ryan's question. So that's rounding out the show here on Talk Radio 1190. All right, back here at Talk Radio 1190, Warren. And Ryan here with you. We'll talk to you again on Thursday for the Pick'em Show, so be sure to check out that. We've been off to a hot start, both of us, uh, both above. 500, so that is good. Check us out there. Get some picks for the weekend. All right, LSU, Texas A&M. Or, uh, Texas was last night. Luminaries in the building. Jordan Spieth was on TV. You know, did you see uh, when Spieth was on TV? I did not. Oh, he was on. I guess he was talking to Dr. Anthony Lissy, my guy who I caddy for at Merido. So that was good. Shout Get, out. Again, some... Uh, Proven people that, yes, in fact, he does talk to Spieth, even though it was always known before. But, uh, yeah, shout out to, to the doc there. That was pretty uh, cool to see him out there. That was a great game last night. It was. As uh, LSU, uh, they covered. They covered in some spots. Some spots it was a push. They won by seven. And uh, Joe Burrow was fantastic. Boy, that new uh, passing coordinator for LSU seems to have done wonders for their archaic offense that they've done. Yeah, no, I mean, that that was that, – Offense was uh, clicking on all cylinders. We saw last week, I mean, he's put up five touchdowns in the first half. Granted, it was against a lesser point of, opponent, but still, I mean, uh, kind of like what, you know, not not exactly the same apples to apples here, but kind of like what we saw with the Cowboys today where they were just running on all cylinders, kind of sp- they spread it out. Um, Coach O, you know, said, hey, look, man, you're re- we're, we're really impressed with this offense. We're really excited to put this offense on the field. And we saw it, man, because they're always going to be able to play defense. We've said it numerous times. We said it last week. We said it on Thursday. LSU's secondary, unreal. Their front four, or excuse me, front seven, great. So they're always going to be able to do that. But the fact now that they have this offense that will be able to keep up with some of these other teams that they've ran into, like out like an Alabama team who's changed their offense the last three or four years to be a more spread offense, and a lot of the other, you know, how everything's just kind of changing, they they are now able to because before it was oh man, you know LSU's playing this high high uh, tempo offense, they're really gonna have to rely on their defense to shut them down. They you know it's really gonna have to uh, be a defensive heavy game. Well now they can play defense and they'll be able to keep up with high scoring uh, teams as well. Yeah, and if you're touting yourself as DBU, you shop, probably shouldn't allow 120 yards receiving to three like three separate guys. Uh, did you see the shade Herb Street threw at them last no. night? You hear that? So uh, maybe, I'm, huh? I said so maybe. I just I don't so know. So it was it. like, uh, oh yeah, Texas is rolling around in DBU shirts. I didn't know they've been calling themselves DBU because mainly that's for like LSU, Florida, and Ohio State. Oh yeah, to, I did hear that. That yeah. was like full on like. But see, that was the other thing too. Like I always thought that Texas was DBU. Because you go back to like the early two thousands, like all the big defensive backs. Were I think he out. means like now. Now, like what have they produced in the last ten years? Where you're saying Earl Thomas, Kenny Vaccaro, like those are two. Uh, but I like Florida and LSU. For oh, sure. LSU for sure. And Ohio State, like in the last two or three years, has produced a ton of DBs. But uh, I think he meant more like recently, like, like now. I, yeah, yeah well, he said in the two thousands. Um, but uh, yeah, you gotta. Uh, Jamar Chase was fantastic, number one on LSU. You know who's Clyde Edwards, the running back. Right, he, he is good. The his jump cuts he had, his agility, his shifty back as they like. He is he because he's a junior, right? Uh, let me see. I just click on his name here. He is, uh, yeah, junior. Yeah, because I remember him backing up Darius Geis as a as, as a freshman, and he uh was. He, I remember him jumping off the screen. I'm pretty sure he played as a true freshman. I don't know if you can look that up as well, oh, but I, I'm pretty sure it's it's the guy I'm thinking of. Um, that backed up Geis at LSU as well as his freshman year. That that kind of jumped off the screen. His freshman like, year, he had uh, nine carries for 31 yards. Okay, then maybe it wasn't him. So there was, was uh, but I remember there. I remember them having a, a two back uh, or a second. Lenard was it? Lenard. Fournette, 
No, it wasn't Leonard. That's his name? No, yeah, I know. I know. It's very weird that it's <laughs> you gotta pronounce Leonard. Um, but anyway, going back to going back to the game, yeah, I mean it, it you knew that this game, the way it got started, it was gonna be going down to the wire. Like I don't think there was ever a question of Oh, this game has been put out of reach. Uh, yeah. At least for me, I didn't think so. No, I didn't think so. Boy, Texas really hurt themselves early on. Eight plays inside the five. Yeah. Inside the ten. Didn't had to drop touchdown that Sam Ellinger's mom's probably still celebrating. <laughs> that was uh, funny. She kept celebrating it. Um, and uh, they just couldn't do anything. And he I missed like, a couple big throws. That I mean, like I think that drop touchdown, I think that throw could have been better. I think the running back should have caught that, but that sure. throw could have been better. Yeah, he had to turn. He had to twist and turn around. Right. It, but it's look, that guy, that running back's going to tell you you should catch that. Yeah. It, it hit him square uh, in the hands. But, yes, the throw should have been a lot better. Uh, what did you think uh, on the broadcast? What did you think about the, the parents, the quarterback's, mom and da- like Ellinger's mom and then Burrow's dad, dad like introduced them yeah that was weird because I thought that because when I because first they had Burrow's dad do it and so I thought they were gonna like go down the line and like have so them I. do the whole offense yeah it was just him I was like oh that was that was weird and then that so I thought because all week they've been talking about Joe Burrow's dad yeah and so I was just like okay maybe they just did that and then Ellinger's mom came on and I was like okay that's really weird like that that was that was that was super strange so yeah, I wasn't a big fan whoever's of that. idea that was scrap it for the rest of the season do that a Along with what they did on uh, Thursday Night Football with it dressing up like they were in the 1930s. That was trash, too. <laughs> okay, yeah, that boy. That was, I thought that if they would have done it with just the hats, like normal suits with the hats, I think anybody would have been fine with that. But Yeah, or just was, do it for the intro for the Chris Collinsworth slide-in. Like, that's fine. But then, then when have, you have a different pair of pants already on, ready to go. Uh, who's down on the field? Is Michelle Tafoya? Michelle Tafoya. When they have her doing it, too, oh, that's that like, was, okay, this is overkill. That was tough. That was tough. Um, but, yeah, what did you think of uh, Ellinger last night? I mean, like I say, he played really well. Um, he's been compared to Tim Tebow, kind of plays that style. Not super fast or shifty, but he'll he'll get some yardage for you. Uh, like I said, he I counted probably about three or four throws. Oh, he missed a that, lot. That he, that he missed. missed. Uh, that would have been huge throws or big plays for uh, – for Texas, but I mean, I, I think he played well. I think they they did what they could to kind of hang with LSU, like you said in the first quarter when they went for it on fourth down and got stuffed both times. That's tough. Um, but better uh, play calling there, I yeah, think. big time, big time, better, better play calling. And um, uh, you know, the the Texas defense played pretty well too. I mean, so you gotta you gotta tip your hat there to to Texas. Yeah, the Texas defense let him get back into the game in the third quarter when yeah. it was. Teetering on, oh, is this going to be a blowout or is this going to be a right? Is this are they going to have a chance to come back? But uh, I, th- yeah, I think Ellinger is he still a limited, just a limit. I don't know, limit is the right word, but he he's hot and cold. I think way more than a lot of other quarterbacks. Like he definitely what, has his inconsistencies for sure. Yeah, yeah, when he's hot, he's great, but when he's cold, it is. It's a tough scene out there. Yeah, sure. no, I agree. Like I said, some of those throws that he should have made, uh, you know, a, a, a really good quarterback makes those and makes those plays for your team. Not saying that Ellinger's not good. That's not what I'm saying. Obviously, last year I wasn't high on him. I came around uh, probably midseason saying, all right, this guy's pretty good. And I still believe that, but I don't think we're going to see that guy playing on Sundays anytime no, soon. No, 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 no. He is the JT Barrett, like the really good college quarterback that just – Hey, you probably have to move the the cliche, but move the tight end or I like think H-back. I think if he goes H-back, like I say, he's not super fast, not super shifty, yeah. but he'll get you. He'll get you some hard he's yards. He's a tough runner. He's yeah, a, big he's time. He's a tough kid. He too. looks yeah. for he looks for contact when he's running the ball for sure. And uh, I mean, Colin Johnson didn't even have a big game last night. Only three yeah. catches. So that was surprising. He was really focused on Devin Deverne, who was 
amazing last night. Twelve catches, one fifty four. He was phenomenal. Uh, speaking of speaking of uh, Duvernay, because he he was cramping up there. Um, it, it was funny that I don't know if you caught it, but Herb Street said something because else you guys were cramping up left and right. Oh yeah, I mean it, it They're was booed off the field. Yeah, I mean it was it was hot uh, down in Texas, but he made some kind of comment of like. You know, something to the effect of, are these LSU guys not used to playing in this kind of heat and humidity? Because, <laughs> yeah. like, you play in Baton Rouge, it's just as hot and just as humid as it is here in Austin. I thought it was pretty funny. Well, they probably want to practice inside. I wouldn't want to practice out there in that. Yeah, true. Coach because o. he did say, he's like, I don't see any of these Texas guys cramping up. It's only these LSU kids that are that are getting the cramps. Yeah. I mean, 98 to kick off? Yeah. That's tough. But, uh, look, Texas, I don't still think Texas eliminates themselves from the playoff if they even had a shot to it. Or they had a shot at the beginning of it. They just... Uh, it was just a, a hard-fought game. And, look, they were six-point under, six-and-a-half-point underdogs at home, which I thought the line was aggressive or surprising to start off with. And that's kind of how the game played. That's right where the Vegas is amazing, as they only miss it by a half a point. But I, they can go. But I think they might run into issues when they go to, like, Baylor's look pretty good offensively. The Big 12 seems like it's getting a little the, – the bottom of the conference, they're starting to get a middle. Right. It was like Texas, Oklahoma – all right, a trip, a trip to Ames is tough. Oklahoma State. And then Oklahoma State, I love them with Spencer Sanders, but they're kind of a knockdown. West Virginia, way Trash. down at, way down at the bottom. Uh, and, no, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, and then just we're starting to see some different teams and teams kind of in the rebuild process right. get a little better. Yeah, no no doubt. Uh yeah, we we've said it numerous times. We we got your Iowa States, which I'm not. You're you're much higher on them than than yes. I am. Uh, but obviously OU and Texas there at the top. Baylor has looked really good these first couple seasons, or excuse me, first couple weeks. Um, there was one thing on Twitter from a guy who 99.3 percent of the time I'm not going to agree with, but he did have a fair point. Who was it? Danny Cannell. <laughs> okay. And he says. Whenever a Big 12 team lights up another Big 12 team for a lot of points, it's like, oh, these defenses, nobody plays defense in the Big 12. It's terrible. But then when an SEC team or another team out of a conference lights up a Big 12 defense, it's like, man, look at this offense. This offense is incredible. Yeah, I know. And I was like, hey, you know what? I got to tip my hat to you, Danny Cannell. That's, you're, you're right. I mean, as good as LSU's offense is, and they looked um, you know, yesterday and they have in the, these first two weeks, He's kind of got a point there where it's like, well, which one is it? Is it a bad defense or a really good offense? Could be a mixture of both, but still, it's it's it seems that one that the praise always goes to the SEC team. But he, well, Danny Cannell, he's big anti SEC. That's what I was. That's, he that's is his, that's he, his shtick. He's the first guy to get his rock and throw it right at the SEC. Skip Bayless has got LeBron, Collins <laughs> got Baker, and Danny yeah. Cannell's got the Boy, SEC. Collins must just be like he's not going to be able to sleep tonight. He's like he's going to be like uh, what's his name, Scrooge McDuck. Back, back, uh, stroking in his money. He's That's probably in the. Like. He's probably in the studio right now, just ready to go, counting down the hours <laughs> until go time uh, on there. But yeah, that's that's Danny Cannell's. Uh, that's Danny Cannell's bread and butter. All right, a couple minutes left within the show, Ryan. What do you got for the uh, a question? So this one's kind of tough. I wish I would have found this one last week, uh, but uh, we'll we'll roll with it anyway. Even especially after week one. So the last fifteen years of the NFL, there's been a team that's gone from last place in their division to end, end up going and winning their division the next year, the following year. So, of the teams last year that finished last, Bucks, Lions, Giants, Cardinals, Bengals, Jets, Jags, Raiders, which one do you think has the best chance to win their division? Well, I was going to say Jags. Oh, Jags? I thought that's not the team I was, I was thinking. Well, I guess we did talk about the South being terrible. The South, that's why. The South right. being bad, but Foles with a clavicle. I don't know, Minishu or whatever. He looked pretty good. He, yeah, he looked better than he did in preseason. Yeah. Uh, what's the other... 
So, uh, Bucks, Lions, Giants. Oh, the Jets. I was big on the Jets. That's the one the I thought you were going to go with. I mean, you can't bet against the yeah. Patriots, so that's dumb. You're out there. Uh, the Bengals look pretty good today, but they're definitely not competing with the Steelers for the division. Or the Ravens. We didn't even talk about the Ravens lighting up Miami. Yeah, but I think. I mean, say what you will about 59 burger in the NFL is rare. Yeah, 42 in the first half, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's pretty tough. Um, well, I would have to say the Lions, and I think the NFC North is the, even though they tied, yeah. hey, Ties better than a loss, as you say for Detroit. I'd have to say this is what you said last year. It's probably kissing your hot stepsister for the Lions, <laughs> like you said about the Browns and Steelers tie. Would you consider a Lions tie like that in the opener against the Cardinals? Maybe not. If it was okay. against somebody else, then yeah. But against the, Rams, the Cardinals, if it was at the Rams, yeah. Okay. Then I would say, hey, nice job. Your, okay. your stepsister's pretty hot. <laughs> okay, good for you. All right, I'm just trying to gauge the uh, yeah gauge gauge the scale on that one. But yeah, right now I'd say the Lions, even though like we said, Patricia's. Terrible. A tough, it's a tough scene up there. Um, but what, who do you think? I don't know. I don't think there's going to no, be anybody. I don't think there's any this no, year. No, none because, I mean, it's definitely not going to be the Giants. The Bucks are a dumpster fire. The Cardinals, to win their division with a brand-new head coach and a brand-new uh, quarterback, rookie quarterback, not going to happen. Bengals might have the best shot, I would say. But, again, Ravens and Steelers, as good as they looked, we know the Browns are going to be fine. Um but I don't think we're going to see one this year. I think that trend ends this year. I will say, while the Titans just smacked the Browns in the fourth quarter, part of me was feeling pretty, pretty good <laughs> pretty good inside about having them winning the division. Like I was I, thinking that, too. Was, but the Titans play up to every – they beat the Patriots 34-10 to 10 last yeah. year. This is their bread and butter. But, yeah, I will say, part of me was like, you know what? Hey. Something to hang your hat on. I will say Mariota stinks. What did, you, did you see Delaney, uh, Delaney Walker's post-game speech? Yeah, he was saying that this week. Paul Kaharski was trying to get him riled up, so I blame Paul Kaharski on the Titans. The Titans should thank Paul Kaharski on for winning this one. All right, that's going to be the show this week. Next week, we will recap the Cowboys and Redskins game. That's another nooner, so we got plenty of time for that. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, for Ryan Silva, I'm Warren Shore. We'll talk to you Thursday on the podcast. That's the short thing, Apple Podcast. And we'll talk to you right here at Talk Radio 1190 next Sunday night. Have a great week, everybody.